0: Hey, it's Clay, welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. We are talking good decisions in this week's episode, which is a nice breath of fresh air. Lots of the past episodes have been just not very wise decisions, but we gotta mix things up, right? We need to talk about some of the positives out there. I don't want this to turn into pure negativity. And I saw an article that I thought, you know what, this will definitely be a good solid way to sprinkle in some positivity here because I get it. It's it I mean, I fully admit it's kind of fun to rat and rave about decisions that people are making out there and that just make you wanna just what are you doing type thing. But you know, you also have to give credit where credit's due and keep things realistic. And it's not like everybody out there is a total moron with their money or a moron in their decision-making process. There is some great stuff going on out there and like I said, give credit or credit's due, but also let let's learn from these people. Is there anything that we can take away from their situations that can be applied to our real lives? And I'm talking to myself too because I'm always looking to learn just as much as hopefully you are in listening to this in regards to ways that you can go about well, just maximizing the way you build wealth. The way, and once more, if you're new to the podcast, when I say wealth, I don't mean wealth like let's go light cigars on you know fire with our you know. bills and let's use, you know, $20 bills as toilet paper. That's not the type of wealth I'm talking about. I'm just talking about wealth in the sense of having control of your life, not having stress, being able to sleep easy at night, you know, sleep like a baby at night because you have a plan of action. You have a strategy in place that's going to allow you to just have peace of mind. And that's what I argue is the best form of wealth out there is when somebody truly has peace of mind where they can sleep like a baby at night because they're not stressed out or you know anything like that. So the name of this article, I saved $300,000 by 26 in doing these five unusual things help me save like crazy. So let's get into the article here. When it comes to growing your savings, there are a handful of traditional ways to do it, such as investing in the stock market or in your 401k, which is the same thing, but that's a side point. And then there are more creative strategies such as dumpster diving, couch surfing for a few months, or buying and selling collectible coins. Dumpster diving really isn't my thing, but I've gone to extreme lengths to avoid wasting money, and they ended up paying off significantly. I recently reached my goal of saving $300,000 all at the age of 26. The majority of that money has gone into retirement savings. This is how I did it. An early start in my journey to 300,000. I started working as a babysitter when I was 12 until I left for college at 18. First big lesson here, and um, as, as a parent myself now, and you know, not that I have the whole parenting thing, uh, you know, figured out. I am not a parenting expert, but just to share with you, to you other parents, or maybe somebody that's, you know, thinking about being a parent at some day, my goal is teach a practical lesson, and there's a great practical lesson in terms of working as a babysitter. Did they say they were working as a, you know, scholar of romantic Greek literature? Well, well no, why, why wouldn't a 12 year old be working as a scholar in Greek romantic literature? Putting aside, okay, yeah, maybe they, they're not the, the, the best reader to read at that level, but well, because I mean, how are, you, how are you gonna make money at age 12 as a scholar in Greek literature? No, what do they do? They actually focused on something that is in demand there is a job market for babysitters. Circling back to the point I have for kids, I can assure you there is a job market for babysitters. There is nothing more frustrating than wanting to go out with my wife and then I, I, I call it such and such and such and such, and then I call it this, that, and the other, and they're all busy, or they already are babysitting. And it's, well, I, and then, I mean, it is what it is. I guess we're not going out. There is a job market for babysitting. So there's a lesson there. I will definitely be, I have three daughters and a son. For my daughters, hey, hey, babysitting. Not because of the money, but hey, you know what? Babysitting because there's a demand for babysitters. There is a job market for babysitters. It'd be wise to go and do that because there's a job market for it. So not focusing on the money per se, but focusing on the idea of what are you choosing to do with your time, your best resource, right? Because your resource, that's something that nobody else can get any more of is time find high demand situations. So right there, a great little learning lesson for everybody. What are you doing at age 12? She was already recognizing, you know what? I should probably do things that will actually pay me. And that's what I wanna try to do with my kids. Not necessarily focus on the money, but focus on, well, you know, is there even a job demand? Is there even an opportunity in the first place? So she starts off uh, until 18. My rates climb from $7 per hour to $12 per hour. At 14, I landed my first W-2 job earning minimum wage as a golf coach. The savings from my two jobs had grown to more than $8,000 by the time I left for college. Wow, that's good stuff. That's that's motivating. Well, but she probably wasn't able to play with her friends at age 12 because she was out, okay, here we go. You know what, but from the way I'm taking this article, she seems pretty happy right now. It doesn't, I don't see any regret here. And it didn't say that she never had any fun with her friends, but it does show that she was willing to start to get out there, hustle and grind and make stuff happen. I also worked hard to earn scholarships and chose to go to an in-state school for financial reasons. Well, I want the college experience, so I'm gonna go out of state and just pay that much more, even though I could get the exact same education right next door, but no, I want the experience, no. No, another great choice. Again, how did she get to $300,000 by only age 26? By good choices, here is yet another good choices. But that in addition to the job I took on as a research assistant, didn't make school that much cheaper to cover the 21,000 per year tuition. That's crazy, I'm still curious what school she went to. I feel like she could, uh, you know, maybe went to a community college or whatever. But that's 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 not the end of the world because there, there's more to college choices than just how much it uh, costs to go. But the big one is just please stay in state. Uh, so she didn't have quite enough to cover the twenty thousand dollars per year in tuition. I did have some money from my parents and was also able to graduate debt free, which I consider an enormous privilege. And I, I will say that that is a privilege, and not everybody has that opportunity. But I I will comment and say this. Do you think her parents would have been willing to help out if, from age 12 to 18, she wasn't working a job, she wasn't out there hustling and grinding, she was getting in trouble, she was, you know, doing making bad choices, and you know, who knows, doing? But you know what I mean. As a parent, you, you can observe and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think I really want to help you. I now, I, I probably some parents probably would. And I would, uh, I'll just, say I would disagree with that parenting style. But I can see how, if you are observing, not necessarily just your child, but you know, let's just put this to everybody: if you are observing somebody that is out there hustling, grinding, making good decisions, and just getting it done, would you be more willing to help them, or would you be more willing to help somebody where you look at them and say, "Wait, that's what you're doing? Hold on, hold on, that's the choice you're going to make?" Really, really. Of those two situations, who would you be more, you know, willing, more motivated to help? I'm assuming 90% of you, not 90. Let's let's call it 97.5% of you are saying, you know what? I'm probably going to be willing to help the person that is out there hustling and grinding and, and, and really making the best effort for themselves. So sure, she got a little assistance from her parents, and I fully acknowledge. That you know that is um, not something that everybody has. Even if parents want to help, but the idea here is still make yourself attractive in anything in life. Make yourself attractive because when you are attractive, people are willing to help you out. People are willing to you know what? Yeah, they're they're trying to make it work. How do you make yourself attractive? Here here's some easy ones. Once you get your first job, don't show up on time. Show up early every day. How early? I, even if it's just five minutes. Show up five minutes early every day, because if your goal is to show up five minutes every day, you're gonna be on time. That's a simple one. As pathetic as that may be in this day and age, just showing up on time is, is apparently a really useful skill to have. Don't show up and never smile. Not that you have to be, oh man, this is the this is the funniest person ever. Oh, I love this person has the greatest sense of humor. No, but just, us. A smile goes a long way. It's amazing, show up on time, smile. Say thank you, say please. Little things like that make you a very attractive person. Not physically attractive, but from a wow, you know, I think I would be, I'd like to help that person out. They're a good worker. So another way to make yourself attractive, listen. Can you just listen? I don't care if you don't like the person, just listen to what they're saying and do as you're told, assuming, of course, it's you know morally okay. Hey, I need you to go sling this crack on the corner. All right, fine. At that point, don't listen. You get the idea, though. Listen. Show up on time. Smile. Please. Thank you. Just listen. Oh my goodness, you will. You are sounding like somebody that I would love to help out in some way or another. So just little things like that. She made herself attractive to her parents because, well, she was out there hustling and grinding. And you can do the same thing. Maybe not in the exact situation, but the general idea here is another little lesson here that we can take from this. Good stuff. So picking back up with the article, after college, I landed an internship at a biotech company that paid $32 an hour. Booyah, very nice. Then I moved to a junior software engineering role that offered a $65,000 salary along with a $10,000 signing bonus. Now, did you catch it? Did she say that she moved on to a junior Greek literature scholar role? No, she didn't say that. Did she say, I moved on to uh, a, you know, a junior Jamaican bobsled theory role? No, she didn't say that either. I moved into a software engineering. So in other words, she, picked up with her babysitting and she actually got a degree in something, well, where there's a job market, where there's something that you can get paid to do it. I have nothing against those that wanna study the history of Jamaican bobsledding or Greek literature or whatever, but do it as a hobby, all right? Just do it as a hobby. Don't go and start to pay, like I said, for her, it was twenty thousand $20, $21,000 per year and that was in-state. So like I said, if I nitpicked, I could say, well, you know, you could have gotten that cheaper by going to community college, but hey, that that's a mistake I made too. Yeah, I went to uh, Ohio State, which was in state um, for me, grew up in Ohio, but I mean, yeah, had I gone to just community college those first two years, I, I would have been in a much different, I would have had that much more, uh, you know, money left over, but that's here or there. The point being, I got an engineering degree uh, because, you know, I was encouraged. You know what, you're, you're probably gonna, if you're gonna go to school, and you you might want to you know come out with some sort of degree where people will hire you and she did the same thing. So there's another lesson are you what 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 are you choosing to do in college? like well, my job I, I can't make nobody's gonna offer me sixty five thousand dollars. Well what's your degree in? Uh, well, I got a PhD in Roman wood shoes. Oh. Well, yes, I, I I can't say I'm surprised that you can't get a, a salary of $65,000. So think about it, make good decisions. Then she goes on to say, I immediately started saving a large chunk of my salary, spending only $20,000 per year while living in Portland, Oregon, while investing the rest of my money into retirement funds and stocks was what really pushed me to the $300,000 finish line. I also did many things that many people might consider unconventional or weird. And then I'm gonna read through these other things. She stayed in hostels, which up to 15 people per room. Uh, so that's just a way of saving money. She bought a used car and sold it for profit. We've talked about cars time and time again on this site. It's amazing. So actually let's dig into that one. According to site, Carbine site, Carfax, a new vehicle loses 20% of its value in the first year and another 20, or excuse me, another 30% over the next four years. And with the average price of a new car at about $37,000, most new car owners will lose more than $17,000 to depreciation over the first few years after purchasing, which is crazy. That's why I decided to buy a used car with the intention of selling it later on. Rather than going through a dealership, I negotiated with a private seller I found through an online forum. The total price I paid up front was $12,150, including inspection, shipping, registration, title, and license plate fees. Two years later, after keeping it in great condition, I listed the car on Craigslist for $13,200. I decided I didn't really need it and could bike to work instead. Awesome! A buyer purchased the car for my full asking price, and I earned a ten or a one thousand fifty dollar profit. Now, is a lesson here? Hey, buy a used car, and you're for sure gonna sell it for a profit. No, that's not the lesson that I take away from this. The lesson I took away from this one is, you know what? If you buy used cars, you're putting yourself in a situation where something like this could potentially happen. Yeah, sure, maybe you don't turn a profit, but I mean, sell it for break-even? Sell, you know, take a quote-unquote loss of depreciation for a couple thousand dollars? That's a whole lot better than $17,000 to depreciation. You buy a new car, I guess never say never, but I find it in a rare, unless it's a rare, rare circumstance, you have zero chance at all of selling for break-even or especially a profit if you're getting a brand new car or if you're doing a lease. You're definitely not gonna do anything for a lease because, well, there's nothing that you can sell in the first place because it's a lease. But a brand new car, or a used car, hey, you at least have a chance. There's an opportunity out there for you to potentially get rid of that thing, get rid of a depreciating asset for a profit, which is kind of uh, an oxymoron there that doesn't go together, but it's possible. Is it probable? Probably not. I will fully admit that, yeah. Ah, uh, this situation was probably a, a little bit of an outlier data point, But the whole general premise of the idea is that, you know what? at least she made the choice to put herself in a situation where something like that was actually possible. She shared a seven hundred foot apartment with uh, my partner. So right there, just telling us, do you really need some sort of massive uh, you know, living quarters? No, I mean, you don't. It, it depends on circumstances. However, this situation, uh, they were, uh, you know, overall, they were they settled in a spot that they were, you know, they were happy with and they made use. Number four, switch jobs without all the right qualifications. So I like this one. One surefire way to save money is to make more money. That is very mathematically true. I didn't graduate with a degree in computer science, but I made the switch from medic- mechanical engineering to software engineering. The two aren't as similar as they might sound. I spent a lot of time teaching myself how to code through learning websites like Leak Code and uh, HackerRank. I also studied the book Cracking the Coding Interview by uh, Gail uh, Lakeman McNall. Then I started a personal project and made a website to showcase my portfolio. Going all the way back to age 12, hustling and grinding. Teaching yourself, learning a new skill. You know, I'm sure for some of that, well, she did. I mean, she had to invest in some of those situations, meaning she had to, yeah, actually spend some of her money to learn a skill. But once again, is is it really her spending her money? I think that's a wrong framework to look at it. She was investing her money into knowledge because she understood that knowledge does pay a great return on investment, assuming, of course, that knowledge has a job market. And yes, software engineering, Anything in the technology world definitely has a great return on investment. So sure, it wasn't necessarily, hey, I learned all this stuff for free, but you know what? She made an investment. She probably bought some online courses. She, you know, obviously got some books to learn. She spent money, but again, I don't like that framework. In her mind, you know, I can't say this for sure, but I, I bet if I were to sit down and say, you know, when you were doing all those courses and and books, did you look at that as spending money? Or did you look at that as investing your money because you knew that that investment to knowledge would pay you a great return? She'd be like, you know what, no, I I never looked at that per se as, oh, great, this is gonna cost, no, it's just gonna be, what is this investment account gonna be and you know what kind of return will that be? So picking back up, it wasn't easy, but the extra work was worth it. After working as a software engineer for two and a half years, I was able to double my salary from $65,000 to a little more than $130,000. 1,000, that is good stuff. Hustle, grind, invest in yourself, invest into knowledge, and there you go. And remember, she did not have a software engineering degree. While some might be hesitant about switching careers without the right qualifications, changing industries was critical to my savings growth. And the more and more I talk with people, I have uh, my brother-in-law, Mark, he works uh, for Google, and he said, you know what, Google, they, they they don't they, they really just don't care. Now of course they care, but it's not like they're gonna look down your resume and say, Okay, so you went to school here, okay, well, or, or you didn't go to school there, therefore no, they want to say, all right, are you gonna hustle? Are you gonna grind? What have you done in your life? You know, have you taken any risks? I mean, are are you willing to get out? I mean, they they care more about those intangible things that we're you know learning about right here. Somebody I, I, I bet Google would look and be like, hey, that's great. Oh, really? So you have a, and a, you don't have a software engineering degree, but you invested into this, this, and that, and then you worked really hard to learn on your own, all this sort of coding stuff, and you've, co- hey, all right, that's pretty attractive. Nowhere, oh, what, you don't have a software engineering? Nope, disqualified, not at all, not at all. And this is a great one, number five, picked up a side hustle. S- hustle and grind, side hustles. Oh, I love me a side hustle. The gig economy is booming making it easier than ever to earn extra money on the side. Now apps made it possible to monetize something you might currently do for free. Every afternoon, I go for a long walk outside to get in some exercise. When I discovered dog walking apps like Wag and Rover, I signed up and immediately started walking dogs around the neighborhood. I'm also a huge dog lover, so it was a win-win. Now she's walking dogs. I want you to think about this. She is a software engineer. She has... An engineering degree. She's making, we won't even use the $130,000 number. She's making $65,000 a year, but still out there walking dogs to bring in some extra cash. Hustle and grind. This is good. Well done, well done. What was her name, I forgot. Uh, Jessica, well done, Jessica. Jessica, if you happen to listen to this, hey, drop me an email. I'd love to have you on the podcast and let's let's just talk because this is great, great stuff. Walking dogs. And I actually have a, a reference point of this when I was out in uh, San Francisco, again, to my brother-in-law, Mark, out in Silicon Valley, went out to visit them. Uh, you know, and there was this guy walking around uh, with like, in fact, I took a picture of it because I want to use it for Instagram about somebody willing to get out there and hustle and grind. And this person had like, like eight dogs with them. It was, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a, a dog walker, but all I could look at that guy and think was, hey, buddy, good for you, man. That's awesome! Well done. So uh, let's see. Dog walking by taking on at least two by taking on at least two walks every week for about twenty five dollars per walk, you can make up to twenty four hundred dollars a year. It might not sound like much, but I got huge returns by investing that money in stocks and a new bike. Well, yeah, it's not like she's gotten that gotten that money and then just squandered it away. And then, well, that was number five. Didn't she say she had six? Nope, she said five, so I totally uh, uh, misremembered. So yes, but I don't, you know, I guess five unusual things, that's the title, that's really bad, it's really sad when unusual means people just buy a used car. I mean, what was it, two weeks ago, I think, I talked about just car loans and how crazy people are acting with these things and how ridiculous it's getting. So I, I suppose that is a fair point that yeah, it is kind of unusual to buy a used car, but that's sad when things are getting this way. But I'm telling you, and I hope you can see through this, that the the system is not rigged against anybody. The system is rigged totally for it to work. The system will work for you. Now, yes, you have to make the right choices within the framework of that system, but the system is not rigged against anybody. I 100% agree. If you get and I know I'm beating this dead horse, but it's so true and I get sick of seeing it. If you get a degree in the history of, you know, Greek olive oil, well then yeah, the system's going to feel very rigged against you when you have a bunch of debt, you can't find a job to pay off that debt, and then you have to end up working at some sort of, you know, business that You're working with other people that don't even have college degrees. I I 100% realize that perspective. Yes, the system would feel really rigged against you, but that was because of choices that you made within the system. Had you made the right choices like Jessica here, got out there, hustled, and grinded, then, I mean, she's got $300,000 at age 26, and she's making $130,000 per year. I don't know about you, but I'm only gonna speak for myself. That sounds like a pretty awesome system. I mean, age 26, $300,000 saved, $130,000 per year. And And you don't like the system? You don't like the way things work? Make proper choices. Have a game plan. Have a strategy. Be willing to get out there and hustle and grind. Be willing. Well, Clay, and I see this on social media sometime, you can't have fun, you can't enjoy life if you're always out there working and, and hustling and grinding. And you know what? That's a fair point. That's fine. My only request to people that take on that viewpoint is please don't get out there and start to complain about the system. Don't get out there and start to imply or you know just pretty much make the argument that you can't get ahead in life. The system's rigged against you. Oh, it's 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 those big greedy corporations. No, it's your mentality. That is the problem. But again, if you don't sit there and play the victim card, if you don't blame the system, if you don't blame the big greedy corporations, that's fine, that's cool. You do what you wanna do. If you wanna go enjoy life and just have fun the whole time and you can somehow do that without making money, then that that's fine. That I have no problem with that. The only problem I have is when, people with that sort of mentality all of a sudden start complaining about the system. No, it, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too because the system works. The system is a awesome system and the system is one that a lot of people around the world, depending on what country you're on, wanna be a part of because there is certainly opportunity if you're willing to take advantage of it but taking advantage of an opportunity is not having zero work ethic and then choosing for an out-of-state college experience where you go to some school and then get you know, your your Greek olive oil degree. So I, I realize I'm not trying, no, th- I'm still being positive, right? I just, I just, it dawned on me that I started off this whole thing saying I wanna be positive and now I'm kinda here, but it does, it irritates me. I hope it irritates you when you hear people complaining about the system. You can't get ahead. This, that, and the other. Think about it. I love what she said. She wasn't happy with her wages, right? She was not happy making $65,000 a year. But you know what, Jessica? That's your prerogative. Good for you. If you're not happy, that's fine. But what did Jessica do? She went to Washington, D.C. and started a protest. Pay me more. No, that's not what Jessica did, was it? Jessica hopped in some parade and said, you know what? Corporations, you need to pay me more because I'm not happy. No, no, you know what? Actually, she, she didn't do that either. What'd she do? She went and figured out a skill that by learning that skill would pay her more. She made herself more valuable to the economy. Well done, Jessica. Goodness, there's so many lessons that you could learn from this situation. I think I'm done because this is, I've made my point, but oh man. Jessica, please, if you're listening to this, I'd love to have you on the show because you, I mean, great decisions, great example of uh, what you're doing and a, a great way to just go about how to make this system work for you. And that's what I'll leave it at. So well done, Jessica. I hope there's at least something that you as a listener got away, that, that pulled away from this, but I know I got motivated, I got fired up, and it's it truly is a great data point against you know some mentalities out there that just make it seem like you can't get ahead in life. Not easy, not saying it's a walk in the park, not saying it happens overnight, but it's totally possible if you make the right decisions. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there. And I I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself,